Locked On Canucks, your daily podcast on the Vancouver Canucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to today's episode of Locked On Canucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And thank you for making Locked On Canucks your first listen of the day. My name is Nick Bondi. You can follow me on Twitter at Nick Bondi. I've had bylines before at Daily Hive, Next Misconduct. Uh, you can follow Lachlan Irvin at Lock in the Crease. He's, he also has another podcast called The Crease Cast. You'll find his writings on his own blog as well. Lachlan, we finally have meaningful hockey to talk about. We had the game last night. It's nice to finally, from now on, every game is going to mean something. And that's, and that's important for, I think, a lot of fans out there. Yeah, regular season hockey. That's what it's all about. And, you know, I think as far as that game is concerned, the result, the end result might not have been what anybody wanted in Canucks Nation. But I think overall, there are two things I took out of this game uh, beside, uh, that don't just have to do with the, the Canucks themselves. One, the game was intense and fun and the kind of hockey that makes you want to have your be immediately ready with the popcorn on your couch. And also the fact that uh, just seeing fans in the building again in Canada, uh, like a full crowd. We're not just talking about like uh, a fifty percent capacity yeah. or the whatever the twenty since I March think of last year. For, it's been a minute. Yeah, yeah. The I think the Canadians in their cup run only got up to about twenty percent capacity. Uh, and to see like even if it was Oilers fans cheering for the opposing team, just it's great to see people at games again and see that full crowd and be able to see the players kind of feed off of it as the, uh, as the game goes on. Yeah. So uh, on this episode, we're going to talk about obviously the game last night against the Edmonton Oilers, the Canucks power play struggles or is it too early to panic? I don't know, but we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about the Canucks power play and Francesco Aquilini, the owner of the Vancouver Canucks spoke on sports at 650 yesterday he doesn't take many interviews that often, so we figured it was, it was a good time to uh, to dissect what he had to say. But let's start with last night's game, a 3-2 loss in the shootout to the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, I thought, first of all, just our thoughts on the game. I, I thought Niels Hoagland had a great game. He was a standout kind of forward for me, outside of someone like Elias Patterson, who had a couple of great moves. That one, you know, kind of deke in the first period, an almost amazing goal in overtime, right? I thought he had a great game. And also the defensive aspect as well. He had a really nice poke check to kind of break up a pass. But Neil Hoagland, Niels Hoaglander, sorry for me, was a standout forward in that game. I think he's earned his right to, to get bumped up in the lineup uh, going forward, right? I think we can all agree on that. Oh, easily. Uh, Hoaglander was a guy who obviously got uh, was got a lot of attention during the preseason, particularly because it didn't look like he was playing very well. He looked like he was struggling a lot at times. And you could kind of see in his energy today that he was on a mission. Like there was very much a, there was a clear mindset for him that he was going to, maybe he wasn't going to necessarily score a goal, but he was going to be a factor in that game. And that was pretty evident. I think he had ended up with two assists on the night. I think he had both. I think he had, I think he had the one on the power play and uh, the Quinn Hughes tying goal. He had a, he had a, a hand in creating as well, not just from making the, the initial pass, but also, uh, putting his putting himself in front of the net on Mike Smith and Mike Smith not being able to to read that to read that shot from Quinn Hughes uh, as well as he probably would have liked to um, 
it and overall yeah the canucks as a whole might have i think struggled at times particularly during the second period and the late stages of the first they definitely didn't look like the same team that we saw right at the first 10 minutes and the last 10 minutes and in overtime as well um they Nils Oglander definitely was one guy who showed up and played the full 60. Uh, the other guy that I would throw in there as well is Thatcher Demko, who looked absolutely spectacular. Um, the Canucks don't even sniff an overtime loss if it's not for Thatcher Demko. He completely kept them in that game, particularly at points when Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl were looking at their like at their most dangerous. He had a couple huge stops on uh, on Zach Hyman at points, uh, like a couple different breakaway stops. He was phenomenal, completely dialed in. That's the goaltending that wins you, that wins you games and wins and gets you into the playoffs. And the type of goaltending the Vancouver Canucks are going to need throughout the season, right? We we've talked about it on this podcast before, previewing the season. Thatcher Demko's got to be one of the better goalies in the league if, if the Vancouver Canucks want to make the playoffs and have a successful season because they're going to give up shots. And I think another thing we can, we can take from this game is Alex chase on I'm done with Alex chase on, on the power play. I think I'm already, I'm already done with him. I saw the memes on Reddit of like Alex chase on memes from Oilers fans and Canucks fans. Like finally they can unite and Alex chase on sucking on the power play. I'm I'm just done with Alex chase on. It's been one game. I'm already done with him. The experiment is already over for you. We have a guy healthy scratch last night who is Italian and play on the power play and do well. His name is Nick Patan. I'm t- if Travis Green, if you're listening to this, get Nick Patan, play him in the Sam Gagne role. You don't have to play him much at five on five, but get him on that second power play unit. Why do I feel like at this point next month, I will just be end up being replaced by Nick Patan? Like it'll just be a, that's, that's a show goes by you and that's Nick the Patan. Uh, it'll, it, the Nick and Nick show, that, that's how it's going to go. Um, squared. Yeah, the Nick squared, the Nick squared podcast there you go um i think you know chase on for sure chase on had a terrible game like i don't think there's any stress i don't know i you know i'll say this i don't think i've necessarily i'm ready to pull the plug on him as just on in the lineup in general based on one game but it's not hard to see why people are at that point already because a yeah the chase on the first goal of the game um, this is honestly like something that I think a lot of, uh, a lot of people like, including myself are really still working on when it comes to reading the play and being able to see the full play for what it is. I see that first goal and I think, oh, Tyler Myers doesn't have his yeah. man. He's just standing That's there. That's a natural no reaction way. because we've seen it a bunch before, but you know, I think and I because... know what you're going to say here is it wasn't just on Tyler Myers. It's just a collapse by the entire team on that defensive play. Right, and that starts because Chason does not pick up his assignment, which is uh, Darnell Nurse. He does not get. He does. He ends up kind of drifting into, uh, into no man's land, not covering Nurse. That leaves. That means that essentially J.T. Miller has to go up and cover for him, or Pedersen. Uh, is Pedersen's covering low on defense? Hughes is kind of has to track around and find his way back to, uh, the front of the net. Uh, J.T. Miller loses his stick, which is a tough one. Which is a, a tough he had a rough game him. as well. There he was had a, a rough point, game as well. He had a rough game, a few uh, missed passes, a few times where he had he had to, uh, the opportunity to control the puck at the blue line, especially on the power play, and just didn't work. It was one of those you know J- classic JT Miller games we saw last year where he's frustrated, letting off f bombs, 
you couldn't hear him obviously as much because there was a crowd this time, but it was still one of those classic, you know, frustrated JT Miller games. Yeah. And, and yeah, Miller, Miller had a definite, uh, a definitive, you know, this is a cliche in hockey, but the, 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 the gripping the stick too tightly uh, type of game where it looked like he was just trying to force things a couple times and it started uh, working against him very quickly. Like he started bobbling passes that he normally would have. Uh, whipping on shots that he normally would get full connection on. Um, it was just the type of game where it just, it started badly and then it got worse over time. And, you know, that chase on goal that, or the, the Pooley RV goal, uh, that chase on started the domino effect on, it was just a whole, it, it was a whole cascade of messes. I feel bad that I blamed exclusively Tyler Myers. He should have, he should have had his feet moving, but it was not entirely on him. It was very much a, a whole group of mistakes. and. Yeah, going and with Chase on on the power play, there was the one opportunity where he had all the time in the world to get a perfect shot off, and he shoots it right into Mike Smith's chest, right in his like red basket. That's a that is a that's something that we have seen in Vancouver quite a few times from other players, like where they'll get that opportunity right and close, and instead of kind of instead of either uh, picking a corner or looking for a re- or shooting for the the purpose of getting a rebound out into the slot they just shoot it right into the goaltender for them to to swallow up and you can't have that from from a guy from a guy from a veteran like you can't it's one thing if a rookie's doing it and he's learning it's another thing when you've been in the league as long as Alex Chason has and you got to know to get a different kind of to not panic and take a weird uh, take a shot right into the goaltender there so and i'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about the power play uh in this in a in a bit here but right now i think you got to move i think you got to maybe look at an opportunity to move someone like Nils Hoaglander up into that spot and see what he can do. Yeah. And we, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the hit we're calling it already. It's got a name already. Lachlan. We we finally got some vengeance for the Duncan. Ten years. On <laughs> it's been a decade, but we close to a decade, but we, we finally got it. Tyler Mar just absolutely laying out Duncan Keith. In the corner, the hit was so violent. Tucker Keith popped up, and he got cut from his visor or from his helmet. Like that's how violent that hit was, and it was perfectly clean. That was a nice it, part about it. It wasn't a dirty cheap yeah. shot or anything like that. Just a clean hit from a guy in Tyler Myers who has a big, you know, height and probably weight advantage over Duncan Keith, right? So that was like one. Of the, he, he, Tyler Myers yeah. has probably lived up to his contract right then and there because of that hit on Duncan Keith. Canucks fans, don't forget. Yeah. That's very true. I don't, I personally, I'm not ready to go to that length on the, I when am. you're talking about I the am. contract, awesome. I'm sure that's, and I, I'm not going to blame anyone who says otherwise on that. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was a, I don't believe he, he did not. end. I, if I remember correctly, he didn't get a penalty on that play for a good reason. Uh, he, he did end up in the box because of the fight with, um, I don't remember which player challenged him after, uh, that is what ended. I think ended up putting him in the book. They ended up putting him in the box for. Uh, I saw some people saying, "Oh, that's a dirty hit," and really, no, it's not. It wasn't. It wasn't a dirty hit. It's 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 a gray area. But I think at the end of the day, it was a case of where he's the tall. He's a tall guy hitting a player shorter than him, and it ended up badly in that aspect. In the same way that you know, if you're Zdeno Chara, sometime or Shea Weber, you gotta watch your, you gotta watch a, you gotta be a little bit more careful when you're hitting people because, of course, you're always gonna be the towering, the towering player in that regard. But it was, yeah, there was some definite like, 
mm, like sure he's 30 he's in his late 30s now definitely not the same player he was in 2012 and um yeah but it was still just it was it was a pretty it was a pretty good hit and definitely like and definitely already a defining probably going to be a, like a defining moment on the highlight reel at the end of the year uh for the Canucks here it, it was a cathartic moment for a lot of Canucks fans who grew up watching those you know late 2010 I guess early two th- late 2000s you know that that 2011 yeah. era team Hell, was very Daniel Sedin's for- watching in the in the crowd I'm sure he's probably Dan- I think he's in the press box or he's at least watching in his office at Rogers Arena now Daniel so Sedin's buying Tyler Myers a drink next time they go out oh, like thanks kid thank you <laughs> yeah yeah we never played together but uh I feel like we're friends now like <laughs> that's where lifelong friends because of that hit I'm sure Daniel Sedin <laughs> has a memory of an elephant as well uh so and in we, and lost in the game is the fact that, and lost in all this talk, is the Canucks came back in this game. They're down to nothing. And I can't really blame the Canucks for the two goals. I can blame them for the first one, I guess. But the second goal on the power play by Oilers was just a beautiful tic-tac-toe power play goal. Not much you it can is, do when you talk. We talked about it, it on is. the last episode as well, is don't take penalties. And they take, you know, one of the most avoidable, the too many men on the ice uh, penalty, and they get burned for it. But I think at the end of the day, I, I don't know if it's too early to call it a moral victory because it's game one of an 82 game season. Yeah. But they managed to come back, tie it up, get a point in overtime uh, in the shootout. Sorry. I thought they were the better team in overtime. So all in all, you know, I guess, I guess a solid, somewhat solid result. Like obviously when you get to a shootout, you want to, you want to win the skills competition, but I think it, it, nothing has changed in, in my opinion, uh, Lachlan, in, in terms of my outlook for this team after this game, or anything the Canucks have to do better or worse to, I think, succeed. Right? I think at the end of the day, this team is this team has not been changed in their opinion uh, on my behalf. I think you know the defense still needs some work. Don't take penalties. The penalty kill still needs some work, but they have the ability, the offensive power to come back in these games. Yeah, I think with especially, I will say, I think with the 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 power the power play goal the Oilers got there. Um, I do think that that's a case of that PK just not being very good. I think the PK, I think, I think that was just a beautiful one touch pass from very good. What are you going to do about that? But that, well, you're not going to let that guy there, that oiler, I forget who scored. I think it was Hyman. Was it? It was Hyman, Hyman, like right in front of that. Hyman didn't have anybody covering him. Like he was left just to tap it. He was just left to tap it in. If you're the defense, your job is to make sure that of all people, that guy's got to be pushed out. If you're the, if you're the goalie, if you're Demko, you're probably yelling at your defense. Hey, cover, take your man there. Cause you don't want that. You can't let that pass get across in close, but I will, but, but I do playing agree the shot with you. From dry cycle is that is the problem. You, you, you can't, but that's the point, right? You can't all play the shot. You can't all play the shot. So somebody's got to be, somebody has to, if, if, if at least one person has to be, make sure that net front is cleared because you, and you got to trust that your goaltender is going to make the save. If it's just a straight shot coming at you, because your goalies, your goalies first instinct is always going to be that they want the shot as they can see it and directly in front of them. They don't want to have to move across to make the save. And I think the Canucks got caught there, but that's something you can work out as the season goes on. I'm not too worried about it. Um, and, but, and then I'll say that, yeah, I think with, I think the fact that the Canucks already are getting such great goaltending from Demko that they were able to come back in this game. It's kind of the same case I had when we, in our last preseason game, we talked about where it's like, if the Canucks can find the intensity that they had in the last stage of the game and somehow make it apply for the whole, for the full 60, which is doable. 
like maybe not to that insane oh my insane amount of urgency but the idea of playing at that level uh for the course of a full 60 is not too much to ask i don't think uh if they can find that they'll have a lot more success in that regard and i will give bohorvat props as well if there was a skills competition he won it on his shoot on his shootout attempt which was absolutely filthy i have i have never seen i don't think i've ever seen him pull out a dangle quite that nice uh in a game before and it was it was good yeah and we need to see neil's hoaglander in the future on the shootout no no more tanner pearson i, I think Actually, we're done tanner with pearson, i thought tanner pearson or in, in the shootout okay in the shootout yes yeah uh, but I, you know I, I would actually I'm sorry i'm just choked that i put uh, thanks to our friends at uh bet online ag i put five dollars <laughs> on the connects to win exactly three two so losing in the shootout and coming that close kind of really sucked for me i'm not gonna lie it would have been a nice payday but uh you know what it was a uh, it was a fellow STM alumni, Kyle Turris, getting the winner. Can't get too upset uh, about that. But I think we mentioned it on the last episode, Lachlan, in the fact that we don't get too upset, don't get too high, don't get too low from this loss. Back in 2019, the Edmonton Oilers beat the Vancouver Canucks pretty handedly, and they had a pretty good season. And last season, obviously, the Canucks beat the Edmonton Oilers, and the wheels completely fell off. Right, right after that. So hard to get too high or too low from this one game. Uh, we're going to talk about the Canucks power play, which didn't really have that great of a start uh, in just a moment. But first, uh, I want to talk to everyone about betonline.ag. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay, so the Canucks power play didn't really have that great of a game. Uh, no. To me, it looked really static. That was really yeah. my issue with it. It looked really static. A lot of passing around at the point. No real fluid movement. Uh, we talked about Alex Chase on on the power play a bit earlier, a few minutes ago. I'm done with Alex Chase on the power play. I'm done with it. I don't want to see him again. And maybe it's just one game, and maybe he turns it around. But after last night, I just don't. I just don't see Alex Chase on working on the power play uh, in the long term. And you know what? When Brock Besser comes back, you're going to have another option on the power play, and maybe Chase on gets bumped down to the second power play unit, and maybe, and maybe he does a better job there. But I don't want to see him on the first power play unit with all the options the Vancouver Canucks theoretically have to populate uh, that first power play unit. Yeah, I think this is a very much a case of where I think, and we saw this a little bit in practice, which uh, in the morning skate, which I believe happened after we, you and I recorded yesterday. Um, that some of the quest, some of the the power play decisions the coaching staff was making were a little bit questionable. Like Justin Dowling on power play two, I like him as a penalty killer. I like him as a fourth line guy. Power play two, mm, I don't think so. Not with the not with the resources you already have at your disposal. Uh, at one point, Nils Hoaglander was not even on taking power play uh, reps in practice, which was a huge question mark considering the fact that he's such a he's such a talented scorer and you know what he can do with the puck i have and you mentioned the static passing thing that's been a trademark of this team for a while they did uh 
they did, uh, I believe, relieve uh, Doug, uh, who was it running? I believe it was Doug Jarvis running their uh, power play last season. Uh, and uh, they have since changed over to a, a new power play coach. Um, but the Canucks for a long time have been this team that really overpasses. They're very much a team on the power play that tries, I, I personally, I think a little too hard to try and find the perfect shot rather than trying to keep things moving and trying to just get shots on net, put traffic in front, close in on the defense and make them move for it. They're a team that likes to rely on the long bomb. It did end up working at one point with the Oliver Ekman Larson goal. Uh, they got the traffic in front. Uh, the long shot from the blue line goes in under Mike Smith. But they do that too often. It to the point where there. I remember. I know points I've seen with the Canucks where teams start telegraphing exactly what they're about to do because they know they're just going to pass it around until they think they have the perfect shot at it. And passing is good. It keeps the goalie moving. You want to try and open him up for a shot. But at some point, you have to take a few more. And sometimes you just got to get go for the greasy goal. You got to go for the one that's just, you throw it in low. You look for the deflection. If that doesn't happen, you go for the, re, you just hack at the rebound and see if you can get there. And right now, they're not doing that. They're going for the, they're just going for the nice shot, long shot in and hoping something tips on the way through. And uh, you, you mentioned, you know, playing for the perfect pass and the perfect play, kind of like what the Edmonton Oilers, like the, they want to score goals like the Edmonton Oilers do on their They want to do what the that. Oilers do without, Mc, but without McDavid, without McDavid, McDavid and Dreisaitl. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of the issue. And, and I noticed it last season uh, with Elias Paris, and I noticed it last night. He does this thing where he'll fake the slap shot and then wait, and then wait a bit and then wait to try and get the perfect shot. But by the time he does that, the defender is already in the in the shooting lane. So he can't really do anything. I think there's another thing for, especially for Elias Patterson, just take the clap bombs. Just take the one-timers. Just take them right away. You, you, you fake the one-timer and then try and cut back in. The defender is already in the in the shooting lane, so then you have to pass it back to the point. I noticed that uh, a couple of times last night on the power play. Yeah, I don't know whether that's uh, coaching or just him or just his own personal style. I don't know what it is. It might be just up. him just you know overthinking it at this point. I think it, I think it could be a case of, um, I think he, he definitely, I, I would say Pedersen is a guy whose first tendency is to facilitate rather than shoot. Uh, not because he, and which is, you know, kind of crazy because he's an incredible scorer and a great, has a tremendous shot. But I think, uh, you, you go back to normal time when the team's healthy, normally he's got Brock Besser sitting on the other side of him. So I think his first thought is always, well, Brock has the better shot. So I'm gonna pa- I'm gonna work it over to him so he can get the one the kind of the 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 Ovechkin Stamkos one timer from the from the half circle kind of thing, and Pedersen is a guy who maybe has to work out of that a little bit. He's a guy who who should have a little bit either whether that's the coaching staff telling him to pa- look for the pass first or that's himself telling himself to do so. Uh, you want to see him take the shot first because he's got the, he's got the 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 chops to put that puck in immediately. He's got the weight behind it, and uh, I think he could find himself being a pretty prolific uh, power play scorer if he did. Yeah, and I think for go, going forward, uh, I would like to see someone like we've talked about Alex Chase on. I don't think he's long for the first power play. You know what I like to see net front on the power play? JT Miller. JT Miller yeah. at the net front, I think, would be a good fit because you saw it last night. We mentioned it a few minutes ago. There was a couple, a few moments where he bobbled the puck at the blue line, made a made a poor pass that went out of the zone on the power play. 
I think net front, you avoid all those situations with JT Miller puck management and just put them in front of the net and say, hey, here, tip, try and tip these pucks from bombs from the point or from shots from Pedersen and Besser. And you obviously have the risk of you know, taking a shot wrong, but I think that is maybe something JT Miller could excel at on the power play, just being the net front. And he's a, he's kind of a, you know, a bit of a pest. Like he's got a little snarl in him that you need to hunt for these rebounds in front. Yeah. Another guy I would throw in there. Uh, it's a little early for him, but uh, why not try maybe on power play too? Vasily Podkolzin, throw him in front of the net. He's kind of, he's a bigger guy. He likes to, he like he's definitely a guy that likes to get into the quarters and work and work the puck and work with the puck. Uh, I think he could, and uh, he's clearly got the skills of a of a playmaker and a scorer. Like he's got that, he's got the hands. I think he could be. If you're gonna go for the long bomb, as much as the Canucks like to do, uh, the shot from the blue line from the defenseman, be it uh, Oliver Ekman, Larson, Quinn Hughes, whoever, um, he's a good fit there. He's a good fit there, and yeah, him and Miller are both the kinds of players that I feel could really thrive in that role. Um, Hoaglander might be an interesting option, although maybe you want him a little bit more along the outside because of, yeah. because I think of that's where his skills, uh, skill set fits better is kind of on the walls. Probably, but also, but like, if you needed it in a pinch, he would be a good, he'd be a good choice. He's cause he's, he likes to get into the, he what also likes Tyler to get into the on the net front. <laughs> yes. A big six foot seven guy. I, if anyone has listened to the crease cast in the past or last season, you'll know that, uh, uh, I went on this on this uh, long run of suggesting that Tyler Myers should play should be a, a fourth line wing, and that he's more suited for that. And was specifically, I what my what I said at the time was Tyler Myers is a guy who was made who was, is a guy who wanted to be a forward, but was told to be a defenseman by a coach in minor hockey because he just because he was tall. Like that is that he kind he oozes that kind of personality on the ice of somebody who wanted to be a forward but was told from a very young age no you're tall you're a defenseman so yeah maybe maybe go for tyler myers there try if you're gonna try nutty things might as well go the full the full nine yards right <laughs> i think the boston bruins did that for a bit with Dano chara they put him on the net front on the uh on the power play so it's <laughs> not unprecedented that you just get a tall guy and be like park in front of the net and see if you can screen the goalie that uh, that way uh later in the game we saw a switch up on the power play oel power play one hughes and hoaglander on the second power play i don't know if that's gonna last but well, what are your thoughts on potentially that arrangement going forward i mean i think that was mostly just them trying to get something going because it really wasn't working for a while it took them forever to get that power play running um I, I will say that I think, obviously, I think Hughes is much better suited on your first power play than oh, than if you're having to choose between one defenseman. I also think Hoaglander deserves more opportunities with the top power play unit. I think he meshes well with Hoagland, with uh, sorry Pedersen and uh, with Pedersen and Hughes and um, that group specifically. I think he's a very good fit there. Um, but if you're trying to spread the wealth, which the Canucks in theory can do with their power play units, if they're able to get them working again, um, there is really, you could be in a scenario where you have two first power play units. Like it's not out of the realm that should of possibility be the for this group. That should be the goal. You should not want one team out, one unit out there for a full minute and a half and the last and the second unit out there to kill like 30 seconds of time and just not let the puck go in their own end. Uh, you got you. They have the the tools now, more than ever before, to actually ha facilitate two full power play units, 
And it's going to behoove them to do that, to work on finding that, that puzzle, fitting that puzzle together uh, as the season goes on. Yeah, absolutely. So we're we're just about to talk about Francesco Aquilini's interview on Sports S Fix 50, kind of his annual State of the Union uh, address he gives before the start of every season. Uh, but before we do that, a word from our sponsor, Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. You can save time and money while using Rock Auto. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could ever need for your car, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Okay, so Francesco Acolini, the owner of the Vancouver Canucks, Frank the Tank, as the players used to call him, according to uh, Kevin Bx, a good, uh, good old school reference there, uh, had his annual, as I said earlier, State of the Union address on uh, sports at 650 uh yesterday pretty much, I'm, I'm not gonna i'm not gonna you know read out a transcript of the entire interview here i'll give everyone the uh the cliff notes so we could talk about it pretty much he, he backs jim benning he, he he made a point to say that he supports jim benning and the vision that he has for this hockey team and he's behind him pretty much a hundred percent uh he, he, he emphasized a bunch of times how pretty much everything that could go wrong last season did go wrong and I mean, he, he, I think he has a point there. Pretty much everything I did could go wrong last year uh, did go yeah. wrong with the Vancouver Canucks pretty much that. from pr- pretty much from the jump. Uh, shout out to Dan Riccio for uh, asking about the uh, the Jake Vertanen uh, investigation. You know, that's probably a situation where he, he his representatives or his, his PR team uh, or the PR team from the Vancouver Canucks in, in general says, Hey, don't ask about the Jake Vertanen situation. It, it, it looked, it sounded by the by the by the sounds of it, by how he reacted to it. He was not expecting that question. So, shout out to Dan Riccio for asking about it. Uh, oh, overall, Lachlan, what are your thoughts on his, on his thoughts on the Vancouver Canucks, Francesco Acquilini? That is. Well, I'll say this. I it's I always think that personally, it's very hard. It's always very. I don't, doesn't matter who the owner is doesn't matter it doesn't matter what team it's for what league whatever you you it's you always want to take what they say like what they're what they're what they say on these things uh in with a little bit of with uh just you know a little bit of a grain of salt because their their job is to make the team is their job is also more or less to be pr kind of thing, oh of right? course more or less they're not gonna you know whether whether or not they actually uh agree with the things that they're with that they say on these things it that's not their job. Their job is to back the people that they've hired. Their job is to be the, is to be, is to put themselves in front of that. And uh, Francesco Aquilini did that with Jim Benning, which is, which is what he should be doing. Like yeah. that is his job. That is his job, especially considering there's no president of hockey ops to potentially do that uh, instead. So you, so yeah, for him to come out and say, you know, it's on me, this is my doing 
this is that's that's what you want you want to see hear that from him in terms of uh, especially when it comes to the people he's put in the front office because you know there were a lot of things that happened last year that um didn't go yeah like he mentioned didn't go well for the canucks and i think a lot of i think a lot of the frustration around what happened last year was partially due to the fact that we didn't hear from francesco aquilini at all last year i don't remember like you'd get the occasional tweet from him his twitter is well he has a twitter, twitter thread in in, uh, in february about like how he backed right. from benning because there was a lot and of rumors that- after the poor start that they were going to axe benning Right. But also in that case, unlike he, in this case, right, he's there's someone there to ask questions. There's there's someone in the room to basically. And like you mentioned, Dan Riccio did a very good did us was very smartly asked him about the Jake for Tannen thing, because that is something he, that is something you should be asking him, considering this is not absolutely like new. This is very this is very still very fresh. Um, and that's the account, the kind of accountability that you can't be held to uh, in just a Twitter threat. Right. So it's 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 good that he's making himself publicly available again, um, because right now, especially the way that the Canucks are formatted as an organization, like the fact that they don't have a president of hockey operations, who's again, normally that's their job. Their job is to be the one going out and doing those things and being out in front and being out in front of the camera, uh, promoting the team and promoting the vision of the the front office. Um, right now that's his, that, that responsibility is going to fall on him. And that, and if he, that means he's got to be able to make himself more available, open and available for these types of interviews in the future, not just with, uh, the rights holder, with other, uh, pay with, uh, with local papers, local websites, organization, whatever, whatever. Um, so it's good that he's at least accepting that, that for the moment, and he's coming out and he's making himself available for this kind of, for these, uh, interviews. Yeah. I also had to laugh at, uh, them asking about the fire bending airplane banner that got flown around and, and his, yeah, and that was, was pretty much calling them like low life. And that's paraphrasing, of course, that was pretty funny. You can tell like that banner got a lot of people rattled in that organization. Well, I, I did. Yeah. I did see somebody, I did see some, I forget who exactly it was. What? Oh, it might have been Wide Art uh, at the stanchion uh, in his new armies talking about how uh, how he wants to hear what he thought, uh, what Aquilini thought of the uh, Fire Gillis stuff that happened back in 2014. Because yeah. obviously we never heard anything about that. And that ended very quickly after that. That situation ended pretty quickly after that. So, I mean, again, another case of you should expect him to say that. Like, you should expect him to say that. Because of the fact that that's his general manager and you can't, if you, it under no circumstances as an owner, can you be publicly throwing him under the bus, whether or not his decision, whether or not you agree with his decisions or not, you can't, you just can't. It's your job is to make sure that you are giving him the vote of confidence in the public sphere. That's your job. And yeah, I, I didn't expect any other answer from him. I did not expect him to be like, oh, that was the funniest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, like, no, he was not going to say anything was, like that. But no, in the same way that no player is ever going to be like, oh, I want. Yeah, I want out of here in like end of season things. If there if there's been rumors of them demanding a trade, it's the same thing of like, no, they're not going to do that. That's that's a terrible idea. <laughs> so you got to expect them to him to back his to back his guy. And he did just that. Yeah, I, I didn't expect anything else from uh, Francesco Aquilini in that interview, but we don't hear from the guy that often, so it's uh, it's no. pretty news. I, I would say it's fairly newsworthy when he does do a a, a media appearance. I was gonna say I think the last time we heard from him in 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 a public interview, if I'm not mistaken, was I was I believe either for the before the World Juniors came to 
Vancouver in 2019. Uh, or that might have been Trevor Linden too. That might or 20 like that might have been Trevor Linden at the time because it was like a 2018 announcement. So might not have been into so the most recent one would have been the draft, I think. The draft announcement in 20. Probably. So prior to 20 the 2019 draft. So I guess also I think close to early late 2018. It's 2021 now. I think that's I think that's it, which means it's been 4 years. It's been a while. Yeah, and I also have to laugh at the tweet saying uh, that he was going on the radio. He tagged it was at Sports Six Fifty. Sports Six Fifty. Sports Six Fifty. So close. Uh, so you, close. You are a big fan of sports? Yeah, just tour in the Six Fifty. It's just sports. There are six. There are six hundred and we we do sports six hundred and fifty days a year. That's uh that's our motto. That's our mantra. Uh, that, that's locked on and locked on Canucks. Same thing. Six hundred and fifty hours a day, six hundred and fifty days a week. That's, that's yeah. What we're gonna do. That. The goal is six hundred and fifty episodes uh, by the end of the calendar year. Uh, it's gonna take a lot of work, but I think we can if we crank out you know ten a day. I think we can we can get to it at, at oh. some point. But. You know like what? like that, the that, hockey guy on YouTube. <laughs> he does yeah. a lot of videos, that guy. He, he cranks them out, my lord. Uh, but uh, you know what? That has, that, that has it for today's episode of Locked On Canucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you once again for making Locked On Canucks your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all, all platforms. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We post full video episodes on there every single day. Uh, and make sure... The second listen of your day is Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Host Scott Collin leans on his decades of fantasy hockey insight and experience every day to help you be the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available on all platforms. See you tomorrow.